We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Saturday, the 5th day of March, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Um, doing well. Um, yeah, spring's here where I'm at, at least for a few days before it gets cold again. That's good. That's good. Yeah. You say you're healthy and alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think Putin is healthy and alive today? Alive? Healthy enough? How healthy is in question? I mean, you know, like we, like we said before, I, uh, there's rumor that he has a brain tumor. Yeah, that's Don't interesting. Don't know if that's true or not. That's interesting. I, I'd heard that. Man, there's a lot of funny business going on about uh, about old Vlad here. There's a lot of shady stuff that's been going on the last 24 hours in the information warfare arena. He's been removed from the World Economic Forum's website. Apparently, he's no longer a young global leader. That's interesting. I, um, I really don't know what to make of that. I, I don't know... If he's actually gone rogue, like some suggest, I think you're even in that camp as well, Bruce. You think he might have gone rogue? I'm leaving the option open, but I'm okay. not convinced. All right. All right. I still don't know because the agenda that's being played out on the Russian side of things fits the agenda of what we see with Klaus Schwab from this standpoint. Look what they're doing to the oligarchs in Russia. A Russian oligarch in the UK was found dead today in his mansion. Hanged. Uh, what was he? He was the CEO of a Russian oil company. Not Gazprom was a different one. Let me get his name. Mikhail Tolstosheya. He was an oil and gas tycoon. Found hanged in his mansion. The French seized... Another oligarch's yacht. This time, I think it was just a $125 million one. The German seized one a couple of days ago. Abramovich, the guy that owned Chelsea FC, or FC Chelsea, whatever it is, he's put that up for sale. I don't know what happened to his yacht. Supposedly, he's got one of the largest yachts in the world next to Jeff Bezos. But it fits the plan of Klaus and company, doesn't it? You'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. Also fits the agenda with what they're doing to the Russian people. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it because all of your products are going to become services. Every single thing, every mainline consumer good providing company that we know in the West has been pulling operations from Russia. All of them. Microsoft even announced today they will no longer sell goods or services in Russia. Google has even shut down all ads. I'm not sure if you can still use Google Pay or not. I don't even know if you can use their service any longer. But if they shut down all their ads, well, then that would lead me to believe that most of their services are going to be unavailable too. Because if they can't sell advertising, they're not going to offer something for free. Facebook, Twitter, and the BBC have all been banned by Russia today. Be honest with you, I'm actually jealous of that one. Why can't we do that? I think that one's long overdue. And then you have Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham. You know, I, I knew that, that Graham was a, uh, was a bad apple many, many, many years ago. Back in 2010, I heard this joker on the Senate floor hopping around up there, sweating at the podium, banging his fist off the, uh, off the podium there saying, if you're an American citizen and you're in custody and you want a lawyer, you tell him, shut up. I'm sorry, we, we, have, we have constitutional rights, Senator. Just because you're some, some sellout fat cat in an expensive suit 
that doesn't give you the right to sidestep the U.S. Constitution, no matter what the crime is accused to any U.S. citizen. They have a right to an attorney, sir. They have a right to a trial, sir, no matter what they do. And that includes yourself, I might add. Bruce, can you do me a favor? Can you pull up something for me? Can you pull up? I mean, this is going to be on the surface kind of stuff. I mean, nobody pays attention to this thing anyway. Can you pull up the Logan Act for me, please? That's still a thing. That's still on the books. I'm sure you already know what it is. Mm -hmm. We're going to examine something here. We talked yesterday about the Azov Battalion, right? The the private army, the neo-Nazi group that was funded by uh, Ihor Kolomoisky, who we funded, excuse me, not we, I mean, I get, you could say the U.S. taxpayer because that's where they stole the money from, but the Obama administration and the State Department cooked up that little, uh, uh, that little oligarch's private army over there that we're dealing with now. I found something else today. Lindsey Graham standing next to then U.S. Senator, who has now passed on, John McCain, and Ukrainian President at the time, Petro Poroshenko, December of 2016. Do you remember I said yesterday that I think that Putin probably would have gone into Ukraine in 2017? This, when this dropped today, that affirms my statement on that. This is Lindsey Graham with John McCain and Poroshenko, who was the Ukrainian president at the time, speaking to the Azov Battalion in Ukraine. Your fight is our fight. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. I believe you will win. I am convinced you will win, and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. Got a cute photo op with all of them. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Really nice. 2017 will be the year of offense. We'll push back on the Russians. We'll give you everything you need to fight this. You still, uh, by the way, you still think this is this is organic. You still think this is a, a grassroots movement. Bruce and I found out today. I wasn't even really aware of this. I'd heard this, but. Um, We've got American contractors that have been operating in there for the last two years. What do you think they've been doing? Who do you think they've been running with? Uh, Yeah. Also, to put a finer point on that, they've been in uh, Donetsk, which is the east, southeastern part of Ukraine, which is exactly where this group operates. Oh, huh. One might think that they could be working together. They could be in there training Hmm. them, maybe. Yeah. um, Looking at the footage I've seen... Uh, they, they, one of the, uh, groups over there, they have some, say like a, uh, news report or, uh, uh, you know, just to kind of update what they've been doing. It didn't look like they were doing any kind of training. They were on actual patrol missions. Checkpoints were being held by them. As a matter of fact, just today on that point, it's funny you say that because we hadn't actually discussed this part of it. I saw footage today of them running checkpoints, stopping and searching civilian vehicles outside of Kyiv. American contractors. One might think that maybe Senator Lindsey Graham might know something about that. Possibly. Possible. You fast forward to today. 
present day, well, it wasn't today, it was last night, actually. I woke up this morning, I couldn't believe I, that, that this was actually being said by, by anybody in the political arena. Anybody. I went to sleep last night, and it was being reported that there was Russian shelling at a nuclear power plant in Ukraine. And the International Atomic Energy Association and everybody, they were all raising a storm about it, saying it has to stop and it's dangerous and whatever. But then you see two explosions off to the side by itself. You see two fires just erupt with nothing hitting it. So there's a lot of disinformation here and you have to kind of sift through things. So yes, the reports of an attack on the nuclear facility were true, but who facilitated it? That's what you have to ask yourself here. Because this uh, private army that they've got operating in Ukraine They've been begging NATO all over mainstream media and Western press for a NATO no-fly zone, haven't they? That's what they've been asking for. But NATO has said no. The EU has said no. But if you have the United Nations get involved and the International Atomic Energy Association gets involved and they say, oh, there's a nuclear power facility that's under attack. It could cause a a meltdown. We've got to have a no-fly zone. You even had Senator Marco Rubio last night weighing in on that one. He's another rhino, a war hawk rhino. But then, as if all that's not bad enough, as if all that was not, in my opinion, concocted to create the scenario to institute a NATO no-fly zone, kind of like what they did in Libya back under Obama, if anybody remembers that, illegally, by the way, I might add. Lindsey Graham, senator, sitting senator, Lindsey Graham on Fox News. What a disgusting disappointment that network has turned out to be in recent time. He weighs in on the shelling of a Ukrainian nuclear power facility, and he had this to say. He didn't really pay attention to what was going on with the nuclear facility. He just went, he went all out with it. Listen to this. How does this end? Somebody in Russia has to step up to the plate. Is there Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel Stauffenberg in the <coughs> Russian military? The only what? way this ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing what? your country a great service and the world a great service. A U.S. senator, anybody in the political arena for that matter, just called on international television, on live TV, for the assassination of another world leader. These people are psychotic. They're insane. And if that wasn't bad enough, you could have thought, well, maybe he misspoke or something like that. Maybe they can try and sweep it under the rug or something. No, he tweeted about it. He tweeted the same thing. Then he went on to say underneath that tweet, this is easy to say, hard to do. Unless you want to live in darkness for the rest of your life, be isolated from the rest of the world in abject poverty and live in darkness, you need to step up to the plate. I'm at a loss for words. Last I checked, it's illegal through international law. I mean, somebody, somebody has got to at least recognize that this is a crime that's punishable by being dragged in front of the Hague at the International Criminal Court. You're calling for the assassination of another world leader? Have you lost your damn mind? Oh, let me guess. Because we're playing the agenda now, if you don't agree with that, you're pro-Putin, right? That's, that's just, that's insane. That's psychotic. That, that's like that's like somebody in, in China, just as an example, somebody in China calling for the death of Joe Biden. I'd be screaming about that as well, even though I don't support Joe Biden. I have no words. I have no words other than this, this piece of trash who is just a little bit too long in the tooth politically. He's been in there too long. I knew this guy was psychotic over a decade ago, but this, not only 
do you have him speaking to this private army that they cooked up over there to menace the Russians? Hell, he was you heard him in the clip. He was ready to go to war with the Russians using a proxy army in 2015 and 2016. And now he's openly calling for the assassination of another head of state. How do you continue on in politics after you've made a statement like that? That's that to me right there. That's an immediate resignation pending criminal charges. What do you think of that? Yeah, you you don't do that. You, you can't do that. Um, to the to the bit you were asking me to look up the Logan Act. Um, if he's not authorized uh, by the government to go and do any kind of um, uh, you know um, talks, peace talks, or or uh, whatever diplomacy, uh-huh. uh, then he's in violation for, you know, representing the government and whatnot. And it's a maximum of three years in prison and um, various fines. I think it's a few thousand dollars in fines. That said, I'm not really sure how, because, I okay, the 2016 bit, I don't know if he was actually authorized or not to be there. Okay, fair. That we don't know yet. Fair. Um, but uh, given, the, given the, the what the administration, Twitter, yeah, given what the administration was up to last, uh, during that time, Maybe he yeah. did have authorization. That could be That's, true. That, yeah. that could be true. Yeah. So, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Just thought we'd just make that point clear. Yeah. And the the Twitter bit, I mean, you could argue that's free speech because he's doing it from his own country. And uh, I, I don't think the Logan Act would apply there. But true. It's yeah, still, it doesn't apply to that. Yeah. You're, you're still calling for the death of a global leader. At the very least, you should have your Twitter account banned. Uh, Trump did less and had his banned, so you you should have yours banned at the very least. But uh, that's that's a side uh, that's a side note. You're you're literally um, calling for the assassination of another world leader. Yeah, and uh, by the way, in 2016, they were actually he was actually the opposite of this. He was saying it was reprehensible that uh, an ambassador was assassinated that was representing Russia, and that was during the 2016 you know the Crimea situation. Also, I just want to point out, uh, Lindsay is also a supporter of FISA. FISA is the secret courts that uh, can go in and get information on you or your business without a warrant. Okay, he supports that. And uh, he also supports renewing and voted to renew uh, the Patriot Act. Uh, So there you go. He is not a Republican. That's for, you know, small government and power to the people. He is a authoritarian. I'd like to play this clip here of uh, Majid Nawaz. He was on Tim Pool's podcast talking about the Azov Battalion. It lines up almost exactly with the clip that we played of Lindsey Graham and John McCain in 2016, speaking to them. And some people, some people say, look, your country's been invaded. Everyone should fight. We don't care if they're Nazis. And my point is, if they're, look, every country has racists and every country has Nazis and every country has jihadist extremists. But if you organize them into a formal battalion, that's the equivalent. So the analogy is false there with saying every country has racists. The equivalent analogy is the US armed forces having a formal KKK battalion with KKK flags as part of the army. That's the analogy, right? It's shocking. If the US did that, if the UK did that, people would be up in arms, but we're funding it in Ukraine. And and how come uh, many of these woke YouTubers and personalities who uh, have no problem, in fact, monetize uh, attacking Nazis are now uh, very much in favor of yeah. our support of these groups in Ukraine? But Right. So listen, like uh, promoting a white man at work is deemed racist, but literally funding an actual Nazi <laughs> armed battalion yeah. is is fine. 
the enemy of my enemy is my friend, yep. so they you say. Know? I'm and not a fan of that idea. Well, no, if they're no. going to say that, then I'm going to hold them to their word and say, so why is it wrong to fund ISIS in Syria and go and join them? We've got, we've got UK media calling for British citizen volunteers to go and join the Foreign Legion in Ukraine and join these people. So hang on a minute. So when young Muslim men went to join ISIS in Syria, that's terrorism, but you can go and join a Nazi brigade in Ukraine. It's because public perception. And here to give us his thoughts on that, fresh in the door, Ned, how are you? It's good to see you. I'm fine, mate. Well, um, basically, I've got a lot to talk about because remember me speaking to you and saying that there's that big river running down the middle of Ukraine? Yeah, I remember. And that is the stopping point. That is the stopping point. I think some people are actually waking up to that because they're starting to realize that every government in the world is giving it, hey, man, we're not going to send our forces over there, but we'll send our civilians to fight for us, <laughs> which, or die, and they're telling the Ukrainians to fight and die, but no one's going to interfere because Putin will stop at that river. You uh, you weren't in here when we played the clip of, uh, uh, of Senator Lindsey Graham literally calling for someone to assassinate Vladimir Putin last night on Fox News Live. Mm, no, no, no. Putin isn't a nice man. I don't like him. I don't care much for him. I also don't care for this whole thing. I mean, you know, since the, the since the fall of Russia and everything, the promises from the West and everything, because it's all been about encroachment, hasn't it? It's all been about these borders slowly coming together and together. And it is. The West have decided they're just going to annoy something. And re remember, a long time ago, he shouted at the G8 summit and went, I'm not having any part of this because you've got your own agenda. Just leave me alone. The idea of leave me alone was, I don't want you nudging up to my front door. And the problem with that is, they have. But we know, but the thing is, it's been a melting pot. And I hate to say it, but the West and the Russia are using Ukraine as a point. A point where people are suffering and they're going to die. And they are dying. And the West isn't going to move in. It will, because West would only step if... He moves across that river in a big way because you got to remember the Ukrainians. Ukrainian, they haven't got a good. I mean, if what happened there is similar to what happened. They people don't learn from history. When Tito died, Yugoslavia fractured and they murdered each other. Yeah, old hatreds or whatever came up. Yeah, Russia falls. All these countries then find they've got their own independence and everything else, and then you get. Places like Ukraine, where half of them are Ukrainian identity and the other half are Russian identity. And that river is a dividing point. And the problem is, because of lots of pressure, we've been, we're so good in the West for creating demons. We created the demon that took the towers out, didn't we? The two towers. We did. I talked about that last night, actually. Did you? <laughs> well, I did, yeah. We, we created we literally, it. So, the same, the same guy... The same guy that created that demon is the same guy that created this uh, th this group over there in Ukraine right now. Ukrainians, somebody should stand up and say, look, let's be honest. We've taken your money. We've done what you wanted. Now you're going to leave us in the frying pan. Simple as that. They're suffering. I'll tell you what, Putin will move up to that river because they're Russians and he'll stop. And he will not possibly move back. And the West, if they've got any sense, will go, Okay, let's have a peace treaty, and they'll leave Ukraine as Ukraine. Because Ukraine said they wanted to be Ukraine, yeah? And yet, 
they told everybody on the right-hand side of the river that they weren't allowed to speak Russian. What's that about? You have to speak Ukrainian. Can you imagine that in the UK? Well, you can't, can't speak, speak English. Gaelic, Welsh. You can't speak anything except English. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you can do it. You could, you've, no. you've got to ha- let people have their own identity. I mean, how many dialects are there in China, in India? How many strange um, sort of dialects have you got in America? A lot. Same. Well, the German-speaking yeah. world, you've got you've got so many dialects in there. You've got Swiss German, Austrian German, German German. <laughs> I mean, and it's you've everywhere. got different Everybody, dialects within each country. People feel safe. And they've got something to identify with. When you become oppressed and whatever, eventually people stand up. It, it takes a lot. It does take a lot. I mean, look at Canada. It took a lot. It took two years nearly before those truckers stood up. And bless their hearts, they did. Ukraine is suffering from two big, nasty animals. And it's the West and Russia. Well, I think that, they get uh, a good kick in for it. Yeah, I, I think that I think the Ukrainians are, are dealing with uh, the fallout of making a deal with the devil, if you will. The whole point of Ukraine giving up their nuclear weapons after the fall of the Soviet Union, which was done under Clinton, my might add, was if you do this, that the deal was if you do this, then NATO and the West are going to protect you. That was the deal. If, yeah, I know. I'm, I was laughing at the whole deal, too. Uh, but that was that was the deal at the time. And then, of course, they've made other deals and they've turned it into a, a giant pile of uh, of corruption ever since. And we talked yesterday and, and the day before about what's going on in there. Uh, and I sent you some of the paperwork on it, and I actually found some more. <laughs> I found not only Soros-funded biological research labs in there, the U.S. State Department has been very efficient at removing all of their receipts from their websites showing all of the funding for all of the labs in Ukraine, across Ukraine. But Mm. there's this little thing called the Wayback Machine that you can use, and it allows you to go back and view what was there before that's now been deleted. And we pulled all the receipts. Department of Defense funded biological research labs all across Ukraine. Now, as we were digging through that, and we were going over some of those documents, I said, you know what? I was talking to Bruce here pre-show, and I said, you know what? I said, I'm just wondering if you've got biolabs in Moldova. And I'm also wondering if you've got U.S.-funded biolabs in Georgia. And guess what? Both of those countries in the last 48 hours have petitioned fast tracks to join the EU. Interesting. Now, we've banned... And this is just uh, pure speculation on my part, but at this point, because God only knows. But it, we've banned RT across the West, haven't we? We've banned it. It's been shut down everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't get a hold of it. It's yeah, basically, um, yeah, yeah. There's mirrors and forks and things that you can access, but you got to go pretty deep to get it. But mm-hmm. some things are still coming out over there. Now, the the thing is, is that when you start doing that. When you start shutting off other viewpoints, then that usually means that they're about to expose something. Something's about to come out. So now, if what Sergei Lavrov, which is the Russian foreign minister, if what he said is true, the other day when he gave a speech, he said the Pentagon is concerned that they're going to lose control of biological and chemical weapons labs in Ukraine. Now, I don't think you just make a statement like that without something to, to back it up with. Maybe it's disinformation. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is that we've got the receipts that we can prove that those labs are there. The U.S. government admitted it. Why would you put, even if you're you're doing something like that, why on earth would you post it up on a State Department website that's public? Why would you do that? 
But they did it. God only knows why, but they did it. The thing is, they. But if they, they kept. Do, but if why they, did they I, use Ukraine? Well, th because there's a lot of corruption in there. there there's a lot it's of corruption. It's not just corruption. It's because it's outside of every. They were held out of NATO. Yeah. They could have possibly got them in earlier. Yes. Just like they China. Wouldn't have been able, they probably wouldn't have been able to do or create those labs under certain protocols, and they'd have to follow protocols if they were within the envelope of the EU, NATO, and anything. Keeping them outside of that means what are the protocols? <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd hate to think. I would hate to think. Hold I mean, on. whether it comes out in, you, in you the wash or not, I don't know. You just made an interesting point. Moldova, Bruce, they're not a NATO country, are they? No. Georgia, they're not a NATO country, are they? No. No. Oh. Interesting. And those two countries just petitioned to join the EU. And if we've got biolabs, US-operated biolabs in both of those countries, they're outside of NATO too as well, aren't they? Uh, outside of that's, protocols. That's an interesting point. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just so, common sense. If you want to be a total twat and do what you want without anybody, uh, without being answerable to anybody except those that own the country that you might be lying your head off to or doing whatever, go ahead. Now comes the interesting part. And this is the speculation part on uh, my end. If the Russians truly have gone rogue, if Putin has gone rogue, if he's if he's operating on his own and and he's he's on a track to do something else and, and be independent of this, okay, fine. If that's the case, and he exposes what's been going on in there, that's being done, quite frankly, illegal biological weapons development. If he exposes that is going on in Ukraine and possibly in these other countries, Georgia and Moldova, which they've now petitioned to join the EU, which would keep them out of there. If it comes out on Russian state media now, because we've banned it, it's now Russian disinformation, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. And if you I mean, and if you believe that, then you're pro-Putin. That's that's the political agenda now. No, 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 no. This is this is about honesty, truth. This is about putting people's ideas forward. This is about just speaking about what is happening, what's out there, whatever, and let the exactly. people decide. Exactly. Right? This, let, let, let people decide. We haven't got a point of view one way or another, and that's the only way to make it work. Except for the, the truth. Only way We're on the side work. of the truth. That's it. Except for the truth. Yeah. Information out there. Chase it up, guys. Have a look at it because it's out there. History is there. Common sense is there. The questions are, why are they doing this? Why have they kept these people outside? Because, well, Ukraine, one of the major things that Ukraine was kept outside of things, because remember, the, the, there's always been an agreement that the West will not encroach too close to Russian territory. And there has been several of these agreements. I think they've actually overstretched that and pushed beyond the original boundaries that they agreed years ago. And it's expanded and expanded and expanded. Russia isn't the Soviet Union. It hasn't got that massive navies, massive armies, massive whatever to threaten the world, has it? The only thing that people have got that can cause devastating nightmares is the button. Well, and they for do, Christ's sake, the Russians do have. But I don't. They they do have tactical nuclear weapons, which we don't have. Yeah, but to actually kick that off, I'd be more worried about. That crotchety old git in the USA that I would actually think of Putin's going to go maniacal. There's a point here. This this is going to go to a point. This is a proving point. This was strategically done and pushed and warned, and it's been going on for a long time. And it has. I mean, if you go stick a bear, the pin, and a bigger pin, and a bigger pin, it's going to do something eventually. And they, someone's upset the apple cop. Now we just got to see what happens. And the thing is. 
what I don't like about it is how <laughs> the Western countries, it's, I mean, UK, yeah, UK civilians can go and join up and fight over there. But by the way, we're not sending anybody <laughs> qualified. Off you go. That in itself is beyond me. I mean, I just don't get that. I really don't get that. Uh, just a point of clarification real quick. Um, we do have tactical nukes. Uh, technically, uh, the nuclear bunker oh, buster is considered a tactical nuke. And okay. We have those. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Oh, Contrary to the, the treaties. That's reassuring. We've got more. We've got plenty of bombs to throw around. We've always had that. This isn't yeah. about nuclear war. Nobody wants a nuclear war. This is about push, shove, push, shove, and someone needs to get to an agreement. And I think the agreement is that Nice watery line that I told you about. What was it last Friday? Was it or last weekend or something? I'd be honest with you, my friend. I'm not sure because all these things just run together now. So we're, yeah. we're doing these things I mean, so much. That, that, that was it. I mean, I mean, everybody's worried. I mean, been called pro Putin. Well, I kind of spit his name out, but no, people who are spouting that it's like the COVID thing. This is your first crisis. This is your first crisis, and you really have to pay attention to what's going on at home as much as over there. We are watching the players over there, and it's going to play out. It is going to play out. Some people think that um, the Ukraine, the western side of Ukraine, is going to be the buffer zone. You know, like you've got Finland, neutrality, and like you had Switzerland, neutrality, and Germany, and stuff like that. They reckon your, your west Ukraine. Ukraine, your actual, which will be Ukraine, that'll be that side of the river, will be a buffer zone. And the eastern side, which is, well, it's predominantly Russian anyway, will stay as it is. Whether he stays and annex it, I think will then be uh, political moves. It'll be left up to the political moves, shoves or not. And if they can get enough people on the ground to say, uh, we want to stay with Russia, they will stay. And I think that is really. That is the only outcome that can come of this, unless Putin goes in, finds what he wants on some leverage level, if it, if you have got all these labs there, and goes back home with a shitload of information and stuff. It is, it, I mean, it is leverage. This is all about it, leverage. It is, but the, the about- sanctions are still there, though. I mean, if you, if, you look at, if you look at the sanctions that are being put on, my, my God, man, we're banning Russian cats, Ned. Not Russians <laughs> that own cats. We're banning Russian cats. Is that, is it's that ridiculous. Cats with or without vaccine passports? That's a good point. That's a really good point. I mean, that is a I'm not sure, point of view. It, it, it is a political point of view, yeah, but I, I, I don't know. Even if they're not, I think they still have to wear a mask. I'm, I'm not sure. Lovely. Anyway, a cat goes where it wants to go. I'm not worried about but them too much. Even if he goes, even if he goes, let's, let's say that he does what you're talking about. Even if he goes back to Russia with it, with that information, because... According to some Russian media outlets, they're saying that it's going to be uh, an operation and an intelligence gathering, uh, whatever. They're they're to secure certain places and to and, and to gather intelligence. I personally, I personally think that because there's been such upheaval and unrest between both sides of what was, and I am going to say was, because this is what I believe, Ukraine, between the Russian-speaking Ukraine and the other half, I don't think... I think that river is going to be the new arcation line. So why would he stop there, though? With all the sanctions that are going on and the the damage it's doing to his economy, at this point, uh, the why West would he stop is, there? 
why why would he stop at the river? Why would he why would he not continue and annex all of Ukraine and go into yeah, Moldova? No, yeah, no, no, this isn't about just that. This is about warnings. You see, our media doesn't actually tell us. Back in the G eight summit, and this goes back years, yeah, when he stood up and went, I don't want any part of this, and he moved away from it, yeah. And he actually stood there and there was very few media outlets that picked up on what he said. And he actually stood there and said, The West, as I see it, has its own agenda. We in Russia have ours. Just leave us alone and don't bother us. And there were agreements made about expansion and not getting too close and everything else. Those have been stretched, pushed beyond whatever. And basically, yeah, if you think about Putin, yeah, he's old school. He's from, he is a creation of the Soviet Union. And the chances are he's maniacally paranoid anyway. Comes and if you go around poking, yeah, if you go poking that, no matter what, you push, 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 push. He wants some form of barrier between Russia and the West. And that is what he's pushing for. He wants a barrier. He doesn't want you sitting on there. That's why Finland was quite happy. It was nice to go over to Finland when it was the Cold War and go to the football stadium up the town. You could see, see over the horizon at the, at the fencing that was up there and everything. But it was a barrier. You know what I mean? This is a taunt and everything else. It's basically a form of keeping the peace. Agreements made, agreements kept or not. I mean, it's, it's hideous. We've, we've, I mean, that, that Ukraine, yes, people are dying. It's shit. It's shit because the West aren't protecting, aren't making, keeping promises. The promises that they supposed to have kept, of course, it's in the first place. They've used it. They've created a demonic pit there, and people are suffering. That in itself, uh, and and yet, all our own governments are persecuting us, all the populists in their own way. I mean, uh, they're, they're still pushing their own control mechanisms here and tightening them and tightening them and tightening them. And it's getting scarier behind closed doors. This crisis is going on, but we've still got a massive nightmare going on with every Western country. Oh, these people are nightmares, as far as I'm concerned. The, the ones that are, that are running the show here, they're waking nightmares. Th these people are insane. Like, they're, they're psychotic. Like, th this is the point. You have a sitting senator, a sitting U.S. senator on live television openly calling for the assassination of another world leader. Yeah. And and they're going out there and, like, all these all these West, Western governments are going out there uh, stealing. That's what it is, by the way. Stealing Russian oligarchs' property because uh, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. It's this tit for tat thing against uh, against oligarchs and, and this and that. It's, it's it's just stupid. The French finance minister, which quite frankly I didn't know there was such a thing, but the French finance minister, Bruce and I were listening to a a clip of him before we started. He's out there calling for the same thing, more or less. Mm -hmm. He's saying, "Oh, the Russian people, you're the ones that are going to suffer, and we're going to make sure that you suffer." What the hell? Why should that people? What? Why should the people suffer? I agree. I agree with you. But why are these? psychotic maniacs all over international television screaming about it. Why should they think they're entitled to do that? They're not. No, exactly. We've got to a horrible place at the moment where those people that are sitting as our protectors, as our stewards, as those that are supposed to know better, think they can do what they want, say what they want, and they're impervious to any rebound from any direction. And as if, Hey, you know, who the hell are you? And they're doing that to their own people. 
And I think this is what's got us there in this is what has got into a sad state of affairs. But we'll see. We'll see. I put my money on the river. Shall we shall we have a three-way sweepstake? The river. The dividing river stops. That's me. Any others? Bruce? I, I think he's gonna go for all of Ukraine personally. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Johnny. I think he's going to get to a point because this is I, I'm just going off of uh, old Soviet tactics when they would take a country. OK, what? so this is fine. Yeah, this is my call. They're going to go in to key points in Ukraine and they're going to seize certain points. They're going to seize infrastructure. They're going to seize power. They're going to seize uh, waterways and things like that. And they're going to force the government to resign by cutting off resources, they'll install their own puppet government there, one that's in line with them. And then after that, I believe they'll pull back because they'll have a puppet government in place like they have with Lukashenko in Belarus. And then after that, I think they'll go for the Baltic states and reclaim them. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, Out of curiosity, the treaty that you were talking about, is it the the one done in the 90s? Uh, Like 97-ish? I can't can't remember. It is pre-millennial. Uh, it was the one with the see, Clintons, I think. You're talking about the nuclear disarmament? Oh, don't, don't talk about now. Don't talk about no, the, the Clintons uh, because border one. that foundation oh, the border one. had yeah. money out of Russia as well. I agree. Oh, yeah. I hate well, that's true. Bad. That's true. Uranium One? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their hands are their hands are all <laughs> kinds of dirty with that. Uh, filthy. That, that, uh, that Clinton regime is just, whoa. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I'm not saying it because I'm not an American. I'm saying it because, hey, and I do not understand how the politics have got such a poor state that she's starting to rear her horrible head again, you know? How many heads does the Clinton Hydra have? Sorry, I, I just... It, it's gone be- beyond um, political sensibility. I mean, we knew as a populace that what is said in Parliament as much as anything else and what is discussed behind doors with parties are two different things. But at least there was a certain amount of decorum and sensibility, and the game was on. It's like it's all been thrown out the window. It's just gone crazy. So uh, to go back to the uh, the the treaty thing, this is the borders uh, between uh, Ukraine and Russia. The uh, treaty. It's not no no. Um, it wasn't basically just Ukraine. It was basically if you go all the way back to um, hang on, who was the first one? He had a birthmark on his head. Uh, Gorbachev. 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 Yeah. Yeah, see, that's the one. That's yeah, the man. That's yeah. If you go all the way back to the beginning, there were terms, and within whoever was in charge of Russia, there was terms and agreements from then on that the West would not encroach too far. Now, those there were several treaties, and it got pushed and pulled and whatever over the time. Yeah, those, were, agreement. those were nullified with this this agreement, though. The, the Friendship Treaty nullified the previous ones. So yeah, that's this what I mean. one, one took over from one yeah, to the next yeah. to the next. It just went like that. Yeah. And it just kept going. And now so, it's got to the point where he's gone, oops. The the Russian-Ukrainian friendship treaty is the most recent one. It was done in 97. Poroshenko, the previous Ukrainian president, one of his last actions leaving Ukraine uh the, the presidency before he was replaced, one of his last actions was to notify the UN that they are no longer involved in that treaty. The the way the treaty was aligned or set up is both part it would auto renew unless one of the parties notified the UN that they're no longer a part of it and then that would end it. Well, Ukrainians ended the treaty in 2018. So mm-hmm. there there is no 
agreement between the two of them uh, about borders or sovereignty or any of that. So if you want to look at it from a, you know, international law or whatever, it technically defaults back to, I mean, in Russian eyes, I could see they could say, well, I mean, Ukraine's ours because the treaty's nullified. Uh, so from the Russian standpoint, I understand. And then from the Ukrainian standpoint, I understand because the treaty was violated already by Russia anyway, uh, back in 2016, 2014, 2016. So you know why that came about, don't you? Because of the lack of support. How many times did Ukraine question the West, say, and I join NATO, Europe and everything else? And they were told, uh, uh, and yet things have been built. People have been built up. I mean, for God's sake, Biden's son and everything else that went on in there. I mean, there's been, it's been a melting pot of bad news and abuse, hasn't it? A cynical point of view is, let me see, how far can we push Ukraine to do what we want if we don't make promises or make such and such promises? But I'm sure there were threatening things about no. people being removed and stuff well, like that. That, yes, but it was money. That's all they needed. Yeah. It was just money. money. But the point is, money is at all and if it's abused it creates bad people i agree but again listen to how ins and on that point listen to how insane they've gone listen to this this is this is hillary clinton i know you said that you know she's she's back on the scene and stuff this is hillary clinton again on live tv talking about what we need to do if you're a crypto can exchange I, yeah, go ahead before you put that on can i retract my statement about her being one of the heads of the hydras she is actually the ass of the Hydra, I think. <laughs> That's not a retraction. That's just a it's a it's a <laughs> modification of your your statement is all. She's still attached to the Hydra. But anyway, this is what Hillary Clinton believes crypto exchanges should be doing to the oligarchs. Now, listen to this. Oh. Everybody should ratchet the pressure. I was disappointed to see that some of the so-called crypto exchanges, not all of them, but some of them are refusing uh, to end transactions uh, with Russia, you know, from some, I don't know, philosophy of libertarianism or whatever. Um, everybody. And if there has to be legal or regulatory pressure, everybody should do as much as possible to isolate Russian economic activity right now. That pressure will absolutely impact Putin. The last time you were here, Madam Secretary, you raised that point. You said, I, I hadn't asked you about it at all. And you said you wanted to put a sort of spotlight on the need for regulation of the crypto markets, specifically for national security purposes, so that they couldn't serve as an escape national hatch security. in the case of, you know, multilateral action to try to, uh, to, Pull to, away from to the banks. try to um, lock people out from specific currency for national lock security reasons. Uh -huh. um, in this case, crypto is looking like it could potentially be an escape hatch um, as even the Russian central bank is sanctioned. And as we've seen these otherwise multilateral actions, I have to ask after you've right. since you've been raising those concerns, have you seen the Biden administration or even indeed other other governments around the world start to take that seriously in terms of how the crypto markets could be undermining um, in national security environments like this one? Undermine. Well, I think they're starting to take seriously the need to figure out the market and to provide guardrails, as you uh, definitely should with any kind of uh, large uh, financial market like this uh, has become. I think in the specific case of Ukraine, uh, I do think that the 
Treasury Department. I think the Europeans uh, should look hard at how they can prevent uh, the crypto markets from giving an escape hatch to uh, Russia, both governmental and private transactions in and out of Russia. And I would hope they would do that because it, you know, it's so ironic, Rachel, because for people who who live to make money, um, if they're like making it legally, uh, if they're not just a, a device or an excuse for money laundering, uh, they should not want uh, this oh, uh, invasion by Russia to stand. They should figure out that, you know, we don't we don't need to be descending into uh, some kind of global conflict where dictators but you're, uh, you're can decide it. that they're going to try to take over uh, countries just because they wake up one morning. No provocation at all. Libya? Um, Hello? So it's really in the interest of everyone who wants to do legitimate business uh, to try to end this conflict as quickly as possible. And one of the two pillars that we can rely on right now is the economic pillar. So I would uh -huh. hope somebody uh, at the Treasury Department uh, is trying to figure out how they're going to rein in uh, the uh, leaky valves uh, in the crypto leaky. market that might allow uh, <laughs> Russia to escape the full uh, weight of the sanctions. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. All right. That That's enough of that. I know you both want to weigh in on that. Who would like to start first? So basically, she doesn't give a, a monkey's left nipple about anything because they've had their bit from Russia. Oh, so what is she yeah. trying to do here? So basically, she's trying, trying to, go to after, create. She's trying to go after those un, of us un, that are un, in crypto. Yeah. 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 National, under national security, she's going to go after all those domestic terrorists <laughs> at home, and she's going to try and cripple everybody. As hang on, who did, is trying to enforce that sort of thing? Who's that silly git on the north side of the American border with that stupid haircut? Uh, Trudeau. Free, oh, him. I thought I thought you said free. I yeah, you know the guy, guy, guy with a wavy hair and a oh him and speaks a load of yeah yeah yeah, yeah Castro's yeah, yeah. son we'll, yeah yeah we'll stand um, up yeah. Yeah, the one that stands up for freedom and choice and everything yeah. else. And Who then, stands against authoritarianism, yeah. yes. Mm, yes, wonderful bloke. You know? And it's gone blackface like three times now. <laughs> no, they're, they're just, they're using, they're using that as a way. It, it, it's like during COVID, how many laws were passed to stop people protesting, having the right to protest and everything? Now this is happening She's not thinking about what's going on there. She doesn't give a monkey's what's going on there. She's going to use that to tighten the noose on her own people. And that is what she's doing. Nothing else. It's quite obvious. She's horrible. I, I do think she has a little bit of a interest of what's going on in Ukraine because under her watch, uh, while uh, it was Obama as, uh, you know, Obama administration, um, they set up a basically a, a, a DOJ, if you will, the Department of Justice there in Ukraine, and they put the people in office there in Ukraine. Um, and um, we also have the, you know, the audio of when Biden uh, told the Ukrainians to fire the one prosecutor. Oh, you and won't get your money. They, yeah, have, you won't get your money. audio if you'd like for me to play it. Yeah. No, nah, it's all right. We, we okay. just played it yesterday. So, yeah, okay. they, you know. And that was, you know, that prosecutor was investigating the uh, Burisma, which uh, Hunter Biden was associated Didn't with. But anyway, to do with his son. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all like Ukraine. The, the the system they set up there was a cash cow. It was a way for them to make money discreetly 
in the sense of here in the U.S., we wouldn't necessarily know about it because it goes through the different channels and whatnot. They uh, run it through various shell corporations and whatnot, so you you don't actually see it or hear about it. So I, I think they do have a little bit of an interest. And uh, the the point about the uh, the the laboratories being there and whatnot uh, also something that happened under the Obama administration. You know, gun smuggling, those kind of things that they've done in the past. Uh, I think they have an interest, but it's more of a, this is a tool. Uh, this is something that they can exploit. Uh, I, I don't think they actually care about Ukraine as in the people of Ukraine. And to your the point resources. about them. That's all I care about. Yeah. Their, their power, basically. Yeah. It's, it's the, yeah. And to your point about the, uh, the, the control and you cannot have a uh, modern monetary theory, which is basically helicopter money. You can print money as you need it. Um, you cannot have that kind of a system and have another currency available in the world. You have to have one solidary currency with no other option around the world. And modern monetary theory might work on paper. Um, that's basically where products are available as the product is uh, reaching more demand, but we can't meet the supply. Everybody's barred from buying that product. And when you have only one currency and it's all digitized, they can control that market. So in yeah. theory, that would control inflation. That that's their idea. So they have to go after cryptocurrencies uh, because well, you know they're crypto, not just going after control. the currency. They they want to go over. They want to get total data control over everything uh, because they know they I mean digital IDs, everything. It's all going to be pushed and pushed and pushed. I don't think people really understand what a digital ID actually means. This, this is the sort of thing that they gather information about individuals, right? And one of the worst things that they'll say, oh, they'll say specifically this area or this area, whether it's consumer, whatever, and then they give the lovely line third-party providers. One of the biggest third-party provider is your government. In this country, believe it or not, and I don't know whether the people realize that now, your medical information can get passed on and used if you don't opt out. In the UK. People don't know, yeah, people don't know that certain amounts of their medical information, which is deigned at a certain level, can be passed on by the government, NHS or whatever, if they don't opt out. But if you don't know to opt out and that date goes past, your information is gone. It's out there. Here in the U.S., we learned over COVID, it's um, we, we don't even have the option to opt out. Um, if you went in to go get a COVID test and you showed up as positive, that information was sent to local uh, emergency teams. So both your local hospital, your local law enforcement, fire department, they all knew that information. They had access to that. So if ever there was an emergency at your location, they would know whether you were infected or not. Uh, but that included your other medical records as well. As well, it was not just COVID. You know whether you were positive or negative. <laughs> yeah, and some people even gone right down the cranky end and gone about your all your PCR tests and how a high percentage of them or whatever might have just gone into a database for your genome. Yeah, that's, as in that's your DNA. That's that's possible. And another, I, another... It, it's all possible because it's all data. Yeah. Another fun thing about those PCR tests, by the way, um, there was a, a school district that required the students to uh, use uh, a, a nose nasal swab every time 
before they went to a sporting event. So anytime they had practice, anytime they had a, uh, an actual game or any of those, they had to uh, do the, the nasal swab, which is the PCR test. But one of the requirements they had was the nurse had to be present when you did it and you could not take off your face mask uh, when you did it. So you had what? to wear the face mask and do the nasal swab at the same time. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Now, fun, fun, fun story about this. Many of the students were like, we're, we, we still have our mask on. We don't actually have to take this PCR test. So many of them just did the motions to look like they were doing the PCR test, but didn't do it. There was 37 counts of a positive test. All 37 of them did not take the actual test. They just faked it. So yeah. in other words, at least... 37 positives were actually false. They were not even administered. So with that in mind, you had those 37 positives under the system during COVID. That information was sent to local law enforcement, local fire, you know, emergency. That, all that information was sent to them, even though it was a false positive. So who decided it was going to be a positive then? Because you'd have to make the decision on the information because it would never come up positive. So there's there's a couple speculations. You know, this is this is kind of tinfoil hat. So <laughs> there there's a uh, the the tests themselves could have been predisposed to show a positive. That could be you know already, or the tests themselves could have already been infected with COVID nineteen, and you did the nasal swab, so you've you've potentially infected yourself. That's another theory. I don't know how long you, I, I don't know how you would get it to live on the swab, well, I don't uh, know. but. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the, it's like having a load of numbers and trying to come out with a, with an answer to the lock. No, it could be so many different. Yeah, variables. Those are, those are so, the, yeah, yeah. Preve you know the prevalent but theories. The, that the, are one, going the, the one, the one thing is, let's stop at that. Okay, something went on there. End of. The rest of it is that is the information. That is the information given. Bang, boom. The rest of it, people can go and decide themselves. You know? That's just it, isn't it? Can people decide for themselves or can they not? Because everyone, well, I can't say everyone, but a goodly percentage of people rely on social media, right? Because of all the sanctions we're throwing around. No, no, seriously, because of all the sanctions we're throwing no, around. Because of that, the Russians have decided that they're going to step in and they're going to put some of their own sanctions in on some uh, Western companies, namely Twitter, Facebook, and the BBC. All have been cut off, shut down completely across Russia. You can't access Facebook in Russia as of today any longer. I'm jealous. Like, I am jealous. I'm jealous, too. I, I was saying at the beginning, I, I mean, said, why haven't we personally, done this? I, do by choice. I yeah. actually do it by choice. I mean, so, I am not a, a social media person, but yeah. to be able to, to actually, what a lovely thing to actually see how people come out the other side. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to have a sponsored for charity shut down on all social media for a month? And watch people learn to get on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki's comment on Russia banning Facebook and what they're concerned about. Now, mind anybody, you, they've... What's that? Uh, hasn't anybody taken out an assassination on her? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard anybody calling for it yet, no. But remember, we've banned Russian media outlets here, right? We've banned RT, we've banned Sputnik, and and I think there's a couple others. Uh, and we've we've completely economically sanctioned that entire nation on just about everything with goods and services. We've pulled them from the international banking system and everything else. And this, this is what the White House is concerned about. Uh, Russia has cut off access to Facebook inside of Russia. Uh, how does that affect U.S. efforts? Does the White House have concerns about that 
source of information to Russian citizens being cut off? You know, I, I, this is part of their effort, uh, as you know, I mean, to cut off a range of information from their public. Um, they oh, had really? talked about this a little bit yesterday, but there are concerning uh, steps they have taken um, to crack down on any form of information being shared with their public. Certainly, Facebook is a part of that. They've also threatened fines uh, for journalists reporting on the ground. They've threatened, uh, they've conveyed that there are only certain words their own Russian media can use uh, at the risk of being fined or even jailed. Um, this is a pattern. This is not necessarily a new approach that they have taken, but to crack down on information uh, in their country uh, to reach the Russian people. Uh, so certainly we are deeply concerned about this and, and concerned about the threat on freedom of speech uh, in the country. Uh, see, they're, they're concerned about the Russian people uh, having their free speech curtailed. They're worried about that. Uh, they're worried about the Russian people not getting access to information. They're worried about that. While in the meantime, they're doing all the same damn thing here. Yep. We've had two years of, hang on, what was freedom of speech? Hang on. Yeah. Oh, you want, you're trying to kill people. You're, you're trying to kill people. If you, if you have a difference of opinion, if you, if you go against the World Health Organization or the NIH or Dr. Fauci or any of the rest of it, uh, or Bill Gates or any of this stuff, then you're openly promoting disinformation and you're trying to kill people. Yeah. I wonder where the WEF stand on this. I bet they've been, oh, they're probably putting out some really soft. Oh, they they stand with the people statements. of Ukraine. Oh, they stand with the people of Ukraine. They're they're putting it up on their uh, their Twitter and everything. Of course, the comments are all disabled. You can't comment on any, on anything they say. Probably because <laughs> most of the people would be blaming them for it. I would speculate. Oh, shouldn't that be shouldn't that be a red flag when World Economic Forum is standing with fascists? Uh, I'm not saying all of Ukraine is fascist. I'm just saying many of their troops are fascist, the militia. I don't know. It, it, it seems it seems odd that the narrative that you, you're restricted to one narrative. All you're getting is that singular narrative. You're, you're not seeing any other information that's contrary to that. Yep. And you also have the World Economic Forum and all the other global powers all saying the exact same thing. It it leaves me a little bit a little bit sketched out uh we, we the same thing reception. Yeah, yeah, when, are the, when are the people going to wake up we've had two years of that and now people have gone we're sick and tired of that and yet a crisis like this and it's the same thing total media control and it, there are things other than just what's coming out your telly front there are places to go to see what the people are they are suffering a hell of a lot over there They've been left to their own devices. In fact, oh well, unless as a civilian you would like to join up and fight for them because every other country in the world isn't going to bother. Right. And with that being said, uh, it's been a fantastic conversation. We are at time. Uh, we are going to have to go. So, Ned, I want to thank you for popping in. Uh, I was actually wondering this afternoon if you were going to be on tonight, but then I remembered you were on last week, so I wasn't expecting you this week. So I'm glad you showed up. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Always a pleasure to get your take on things. Bruce, thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. If you're listening to us on Monday, have a great evening, and we will see you tomorrow.